You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning, JP, in for Patricia until one with Cork Today. Patricia still unwell, so we're with you until one. And Bernie taking your comments and indeed calls across the programme on 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And ahead on this morning's programme, the new cost of living measures there due to be announced today. Uh, we'll go through what is leaked so far from government sources, but uh, it does look like it will be good news for hotels in this country. We'll very shortly speak with the Irish Hotel Federation as it's indicated the 9% VAT rate will remain until later this year anyhow. And also we'll be discussing the other measures that are being announced later today. Adam Higgins political correspondent with the Irish Sun will join us. Also we're going to hear how almost 86,000 children remain on waiting lists across the country and this is for disability services and something that seems to go on and on every year and while there's a lot of talk within Linster House and other areas of the HSC to tackle this problem. It never really gets tackled because figures go up and up. So we'll discuss that on the show this morning. And also a lot of talk of temperatures that are going to plummet across the country. If you're on your phone, you will see links flashing up every few seconds or every few minutes saying to us that, that our temperatures are going to drop in the next few weeks. But are they? What is going to happen? Well, we're going to be joined by Alan O'Reilly from Carla Weather to find out are we going to get a similar weather pattern we had a number of years ago by way of the beast from the east. Will it actually happen? Uh, some in the UK, some of the uh, English stations are reporting for the first few weeks of March, we could see something like what we had a number of years ago regarding snowfall. But we'll have to wait and see if that would hit us here in Ireland or not, or indeed in the Cork and Southwest area. And also after midday, Joe Heffernan, our regular councillor on the show, will join us and we'll be discussing bereavement. So that and much more uh, between now and one and your comments are welcome if there's something you want to raise in the show or discuss what we are discussing uh, call Bernie taking those comments right now on 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 email us across the show Cork today at c103.ie but on the new cost of living measures that are going to be announced well it looks like that pensioners carers and people with disabilities and also lone parents they will receive uh, 200 
euro lump sum as part of the cost of living package and parents are set to get a 100 euro child benefit lump sum. And this has all got to do with the government agreeing an increase in the back-to-school clothing and footwear allowance by €100. Euros. And this really is in a bid to protect the most vulnerable in society. But all these bonuses, they won't be paid uh, straight away. It will be, of course, in April or May uh, by the time they hit the bank accounts or uh, your pocket. But uh, the €200 Euro energy rebate that we've all been receiving uh, by way of credit on our electricity bills, uh, that has been ruled out. You'll be aware the Green Party were against this and they wanted Uh, this rebate to be given out later in the year and it looks like they've won out on that Uh, but it is a major win for the hoteliers we'll speak with them shortly Uh, the 9% VAT rate due to be kept anyhow until the summer months Uh, what will happen after that we'll have to wait and see mixed views on that there was mixed views yesterday because uh, Deputy Michael Ring uh, in uh, Mayo he was not happy he felt that uh, some hotels did rip off the public over the last year when they had the lower VAT rate Uh, He still felt that despite all the offers given that some hotels did rip off the public. Your views on that? Is uh, Deputy Ring right or do you welcome uh, the VAT remaining at 9% because if it was to go up, I wonder would uh, the public end up paying for any increase within hotels? We'll speak shortly with the Irish Hotel Federation on that. And when it comes to schools again, there is going to be an expansion of the Hot School Meals programme when it comes to primary schools and that will see an extra 65,000 children uh, receive hot meals. So that uh, is some of what's been outlined. Also regarding uh, fuel which we all need by way of petrol and diesel it looks like now we thought first of all that everything would increase by the end of this month and the start of March but it looks like they're going to do that on a phased basis so we'll discuss that more later in the programme and in the front of the Irish Examiner this morning there is a picture of the US President Joe Biden along with the Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky and they are outside St. Michael's Golden Dome Cathedral in Kiev yesterday and basically as you know by now the US President was visiting uh, Kiev and indeed uh, visiting Ukraine and this really did show uh, a solidarity mark across the world on how the US stands with Ukraine and what is happening there uh, Bush out of this seemingly not only is he uh, go in Ukraine at the moment he's planning a visit to Ireland and Joe Biden could uh, be coming to Ireland in April and all of this is to do with the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. Now, the visit may also depend on developments on the restoration talks, of course, within the Stormont Executive. And if Stormont is restored, uh, that would be something that will depend a lot on this visit. But if he does come, he's likely to visit Belfast, also Dublin and Mayo on his official state visit, which could be as soon as April. I don't think many people thought it would be that soon, but it looks like it will be. And I'm not sure if a lot of you were following the situation and the really sad story from the UK and this was on Nicola Bully's uh, disappearance first of all and of course yesterday afternoon it was revealed that body which was found on Sunday by two members of the public was identified as Nicola Bully's um, really sad story this she went missing and there was extensive searches along the River Wire uh, this was in Lancashire the body that was recovered was uh, in undergrowth by the riverbank near St Michael's on the wire and when the news broke yesterday the relatives they were all informed first of course but the family uh, did issue a statement 
And in that statement, they said their worst fears had been realised. They say, finally, Nikki, you were no longer a missing person. You have been found. We can let you rest now. And they paid tribute to the mother of two girls, age six and nine. And the family said she was the centre of our world. She was the one who made our lives so special and nothing will cast a shadow over that. And Nicola Bully herself, she was aged 45. Of course, she did vanish back on January 27th when she was walking along uh, the River Wire with her Springer Spaniel Willow. And she was doing this walk shortly after taking her daughters to school. Her phone was found on a nearby bench and this phone was still connected to a work conference call. And last night, Peter Lawson, who's an assistant chief constable with Lancashire Police, uh, he described the 23-day investigation into Bully's disappearance as a hugely complex and highly emotional case. Now, Lancashire Police's handling of the investigation has been heavily criticised over their decision to disclose private information about Bully and leading so much so interventions from the Prime Minister of the UK and also the Home Secretary to get involved. Uh, But overall in the statement last night, uh, Nicola Bully's family were also very critical of social media and the media in general on the way they were covering the case and really were trying to gain access I suppose to the family of Nicola Bully in TikTok in particular was mentioned on so-called influencers and others who were really getting involved in this case but not respecting the family and the privacy of the family and the ongoing investigations into a case there are certain things you can talk about when a case is underway uh, but on social media that was not stopping people and that was upsetting the family and various conclusions that were coming out on social media. So the family really strong with their points to those who were more or less reporting various things uh, and TikTok was one of the ones that was pointed out. Uh, But as described by uh, the police in Lancashire, it was a very highly emotive case and now the family uh, can rest Nicola Bully. May she rest in peace. Such a sad story there coming out from uh, Lancashire in the north of England. And while we'll be speaking very shortly regarding the hoteliers and the the VAT rate, uh, if you are planning a holiday this year, where are you thinking of going? Because it seems that one in four are planning a holiday in Ireland. Uh, This was a survey that was conducted by Falta Ireland as they launched their new plan to support the tourism industry. And their research shows that 23% of people are planning a domestic getaway within the next three months. So are you one of those? Are you planning to stick around Ireland and maybe go... stay here in Cork and go to either uh, various regions, tourist areas of Cork like East Cork or West Cork or wherever, or maybe you're just going further afield to Limerick Kerry, Clare, Galway, wherever, uh, let us know uh, if you were planning because seemingly one in four are. Uh, text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or call us on 0818103103. And if you're not, we could be sending you further afield and you may be going further than Ireland, heading to an airport. C103's summer getaway. And heading to Lanzarote because all this week this is where we are sending you and your friends as C103's summer getaway continues last week it was Salou now it's Lanzarote where you can enjoy seven nights in the Vig San Antonio from June 4th listen out for C103's sunshine song of the day here is today's sunshine song
Yes, the TLO's Mr. Blue Sky, and I will play that sometime between now and one. When you hear it, text or WhatsApp for your chance to win with C103 Summer Getaway. And we'll be sending you where you can win your way to Lanzarote only here at C103. By the way, today, of course, is Shrove Tuesday, also known as Pancake Tuesday. I'm sure a lot of pancakes will be had across households in uh, not only here in Cork, but across the country tonight or maybe today. Maybe if you're at work, you're dipping into a pancake. Well, uh, what is your favourite? There's a number of them have uh, been adapted over the last few years. Uh, The traditional, of course, lemon, a bit of squeeze of lemon and a bit of sugar is what I would like myself. But some people add strawberries, they add a bit of Nutella, they add so much more. So what's your favourite? favourite or do you have your own favourite maybe a homemade one that you don't really share with anybody else why not share it with us today if you have a favourite pancake topping or a various type of pancake you uh, do enjoy and delve into on Pancake Tuesday which is today Shrove Tuesday uh, and it's amazing that over the last number of years it seems this year we were just saying myself in Kintobin earlier it doesn't seem to be as big as it would have usually have been before you would have heard a lot more about Pancake Tuesday or maybe it's just gone over our heads this week but uh, is it something that is slowly dying out or is it as big as ever and will you indulge in pancakes tonight let us know uh, our reporter Murray Tuwik has been out and about on the streets of Cork and we'll hear later what some people in Cork do uh, like to have on their pancakes and yesterday a number of calls into us towards the close of the show yesterday I will get to those later but one of them was to do with an aircraft flying over uh, the Wilton, Bishopstown and Ballygarvan areas of Cork City and we did check into this and it was the Irish Avia Authority in the end uh, that came back to us and uh, it's reported as well today in the papers this was a large German military transport aircraft conducted a training flight over Cork Airport or in English is writing the examiner about this also and uh, the IAA, the Irish Aviation Authority, they have confirmed that they were given, cl- they gave clearance and granted for this aircraft to enter Irish airspace yesterday morning. And yes, it was around ten thirty a.m. And we got calls shortly uh, after that about this aircraft. And uh, the aircraft itself, it came about sixty meters of the airport's main runway, and then it tracked along the length of it before the pilots applied full power. And the aircraft then gained altitude again and the aircraft didn't physically land at Cork Airport, uh, but it nearly did touch ground and then went off again. Uh, And the IAA confirmed that the flight was pre-approved and it was a German military training flight and it was within all the various standard procedures that are in place. So for those of you who thought you saw uh, a military aircraft over Cork yesterday, you did from Germany. It went back uh, to its uh, base, first of all, in Brittany before landing in a base in northwestern Germany, uh, just a few kilometres uh, west of Hanover. So from uh, Germany to Cork and back again, uh, that that was the reason for that uh, low-flying, uh, what looked like an Air Force it was, over Cork yesterday. Lines open 0818 103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103103. You can email Cork today at c103.ie. Discussing next the new costs of living measures, but first we are going to be speaking with the Irish Hotel Federation. And are they happy on the indication that things that rate anyway wise will stay the same. This is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. Cork hoteliers were concerned that the VAT rate could go from 9% to 13.5%, but it looks like for the moment it will stay at 9%. Joe Kennedy, the Cork chair of the Irish Hotel Federation, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Joe. 
Hello, John Paul. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning to you and your listeners. And thanks for joining us. Uh, this is a last-minute change, it would seem, from the government. Otherwise, things would have changed. I presume all those involved in the hotel industry are sighing uh, relief at the moment, considering this will be what, hopefully, and it will be announced later for you guys, 9% to stay. Well, hopefully, uh, John Paul, uh, all the headlines this morning are quite positive on that front of it. But look, we'll have to wait for the, the, the full announcement that's... Uh, at at two o'clock, um, and hopefully, look, it'll, 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 it is it is it is an extra extension. I suppose. Look, it's not um, it's not setting it at its right rate, which is nine percent in full. Um, you know, going back to the thirteen and a half percent goes back to our sort of our, our arguments with the um, with the government general that it's 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 the it's it's not it's not the correct rate for for Bath and Ireland. Um, it would put us on competitive from the European side of it, and if, if it goes back to thirteen and a half percent, although not. Not on the first of March, but um, September, October, it'll still put us on an on, on competitive front in Europe, uh, being the third highest in uh, from the European side of it. And if if was to go up, and it will later in the year, by the indications they're saying maybe the late summer, early autumn. Uh, but if it was to go up even today to thirteen and a half percent, while many are saying you know it, it should go up, others there, there's mixed views on this. I presume. A consumer tax it could be considered then because would hotels pass on the increase to those who were going for a weekday lunch or going to stay over? Well, that's 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 the challenge, I suppose, John Paul. We find ourselves in the, in, in the industry again. A reminder to to you and your listeners that our industry has only really got back on its feet since February of last year. So we're only a, we're only twelve months into the journey, and the journey so far has been quite erratic and uh, turbulent. Um, our industry is a very resilient industry, and the people within it are are very much so um, resilient as well. In that fact, as we've had three years now of that turbulence um, up and down, and I suppose look, it comes back to your point there with Salt Ireland um, surveying uh, people that one in four people plan to to, to um, holiday domestically in Ireland, and we appreciate that. That's where that's where we need to be, I suppose, and on our side of it, the VAT rate. Uh, will definitely give the consumer a better value option if it remains at the 9%. But with the extra costs that are coming at all businesses, uh, left, right, centre, energy, food, beverages, linen, you name it, across the board, that's the balance that we, we find ourselves in trying to, um, you know, but it, it, it is definitely something that, that long-term we'll still hopefully want to keep and remain at 9% for the consumer. And what would you say to the likes of Fine Gael Deputy Michael Ring? He feels hotels, this, these are his words now, hotels ripped people off when the VAT rate reduced. So he would be looking for a split VAT rate increase whereby hotels, it would go up to 13.5%, but leave restaurants and others that serve food on a lower rate. Well, I think, the, look, the, the summer um, the summer media last, or the media uh, noise around the the, the, the prices in Dublin, in particular, that hasn't done us all very well. To be honest, to you. Um, we, 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 I, I represent 65 members in Cork, and it's Cork is is our focus, and particularly our, our West Cork hoteliers out around there. That's that's that, that's so important for the, for for our ministers to understand that that climate of doing business. Um, I, like we, I've spoken personally to a lot of ministers on before um, the announcement today, and there is a bit of an on. Um, uneducated version of how our business actually runs. So until they listen to us and have a conversation, 
and talk to their local hoteliers, they really don't understand sometimes the metrics of our business. Um, so I don't think it's right for, you know, to take a blanket view of that. We, we, it, it is very, it's a very dispersed um, and varied uh, challenge, in, particularly in regional Ireland. And while you mentioned there last summer when that debate did arise, we were speaking to hoteliers in tourist areas like West Cork, like East Cork, who were saying, you know, we're not like the hotels in Dublin. We're not overcharging people when a concert comes to various areas of Dublin city and county. Uh, But how do you then change the mindset when people do look at Dublin and those TDs that are talking are, are looking at hotels in Dublin who are at times overcharging, who will put up the price when there's a big event happening and it can happen outside of Dublin and other cities as well and how do you change that attitude from city hotels to more rural and tourist destinations like you mentioned there in West Cork in Kerry in Galway in Clare and other areas Yeah I think that the <clears throat> I think the pricing of concerts in general or any big events will always be there um, when prices go up but I, I really hope that it's, it's responsible pricing that people take approach on we all get it that look if, <clears throat> if a plane journey is full and there's a couple of extra seats on it, then they're not the cheapest seats on the plane. Um, and the same practice is, 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 has been in our industry for, for many years. But I think there's a, there's a very, there's a different, um, there's the word gouging and responsible pricing are, are two very different matters. Our company that I work for um, go on a, a road of responsible pricing. And that's where we need to get to in, in, in all areas of, of, of the um, in all areas of, of Ireland. But bring it back to West Cork and to East um, John Paul, like that's where our tourists, there's great value out there. Uh, a lot of our hoteliers are members in, in that area. They, they, they don't have Garth Brooks concerts on their front door. They don't have um, huge football matches or American teams coming in. So they're they're fighting a different battle. And that's the battle I think that we need to educate or, or keep, continue to educate our government around in that it's not it's not a level playing field all around the island of Ireland. And while we're mentioning about Ireland and domestic tourism, just uh, looking at foreign tourism for the moment, uh, we have seen in numbers released from the Irish Hotel Federations yesterday, uh, those who were coming from the UK, there's been a drop off there. Now, that could be for a number of reasons. It could be because of what's happening in the UK. And and there's a lot of uh, people who are down money because of the impact of their economy. But also, uh, are we as a country getting very expensive compared to prices people are used to paying? in the UK and maybe if they're going away on holidays to Spain and other areas? Yeah, there's definitely a, a, there's a, there's a, there's definitely a downturn in, in the over, in, from our UK market um, in particular. I suppose, look, overall last year, we were still 27% back on tourism numbers compared to 2019 in total, which is, a, I suppose, it, it's a level of opportunity, but the reality from the UK side of it, they're facing a, a, a fairly harsh recession in that area or, um, and a lot of ongoing that, that's preventing people from coming to, to Ireland. And I think the cost of living crisis has kicked in in both in both the UK as well. John Paul, it's not. I, I can see it here in Ireland. So people are more sensitive to their 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 stays away. And like when you say one in every four person in Ireland would like to go on domestic um, vacation, that that we you know people. I'd love to say three or three out of four people or four out of four people. You know, like it's 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 a fairly it's a it's a small statistic, but um, hopefully look that. The government announcement today will give again give people an extra few quid in their pocket so that they can go off and enjoy themselves, and that's what our industry relies on. It's, it's that sort of extra spend that people have to go and 
um, relax and enjoy themselves and go to a different destination, like, you know. And just on that fall to Ireland study, have you noticed yourself over the last year the effect on the domestic economy here when it comes to people staying in their own area or staying within Ireland? Oh yeah, definitely. Like there's there's people. I speak last year. I suppose in particular, we um, a lot of people took took the opportunity to get some sun in and to go abroad. Mm. You know, that's not that that was only a natural thing to happen after the um, after the the, the 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 pandemic. But I actually genuinely feel that because of the pandemic and people's view of uh, touring around Ireland and heading to to uh, explore Ireland, um, I think people will continue that domestic. Um, vacation in front of it. Once that they perceive value and they say to themselves, "Up to what?" Um, and and on, on the message of value, I would really encourage listeners and to things to you know if they're going to a hotel, shop around, shop around. I, I'm just looking at the rates in the city there in the last couple of days. Like all our rates are very different, so there's no unique uh, selling rate. But like to you know, but, um, and the same, the best way to to get that value is to call the hotel directly, give the phone, talk to the person in reservations. Um, and that's where the best value is got, um, not necessarily through large booking engines that people turn to, um, where there's a lot of commissions and stuff that that, that are in that rate, like, you know. Yeah, I see that a lot lately from hotels and adverts either here on radio or on TV who are more or less telling everybody, don't book via a booking agent, go direct to the hotel for better value. Uh, and mm. why most people think going through certain websites can be cheaper, uh, it also does work out cheaper if you go directly to the hotel. Is that something that has changed over the last number of years or was it always the case? It was always the case, but I think that the ease of booking for the booking engines, like we we set our bedrooms, like again, this is another it's, a, it's another topic of conversation, I suppose. In our we're always challenged with the large booking engines, but they they sort of sell our bedrooms onto other websites, and you know you could get those prices uh, uh, creeped up in that process. So as much as the um, uh, when when the when you call direct to a hotel, the person on the phone. Uh, it, it is their best intention to get your booking because they, we we don't have to pay a large commission to a, a larger booking engine then, like, you know. So that's, it, it's really imperative, I think, when we talk about value and we, 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 we think, lift the phone to the to the hotel and we all have our reservations office in the hotels and that's where value, I suppose, can be maybe um, challenged a bit. Mm. And, and finally, just I know there's going to be business energy supports mentioned today as well. We heard over the last few months and we saw the evidence from electricity bills and other type of energy costs to hotels where bills were ranging from €12,000 up to €20,000. Is there any difference in those bills? Have you seen uh, an impact because of the energy support credit for business or, or any reduction due to what we should be seeing now, a change this year in energy yeah, rates? Yeah. There should be a, uh, again another topic of conversation. I suppose, we, like in our industry, we've seen um, bills to be over three hundred percent. In my own business here in Cork City, our, our bill has um, in last year grown by three hundred percent compared to twenty nineteen. Um, uh, just around that energy piece. But to be fair to the government, this uh, the TBESS scheme uh, does help. I suppose look um, on the markets, uh, electricity, gas prices seem to be coming down. We haven't seen it yet. And I think that in, hopefully that will that will come to, to fruition over the next few months. But the continuation of the scheme is really, really positive as well because it does give the, 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 the business back um, a, a 
a bit of money to help out. Yeah, and finally, I mean, you explained there regarding the high costs. This is just an example of a text in from someone who says high prices and small portions, uh, such as desserts costing seven euro for a small bit of apple pie. I know this because I was charged uh, this for the lot of an apple pie and desserts when I was out recently. I mean, when, when you hear people like that texting into us, and I'm sure you get it yourselves as well, how do you explain, you know, seven euros for what this person is saying, a dessert which this person feels is a small portion? Yeah, look, every business has to take their own view of, of value for money. They have to take their own view on the customer's perception around that. But look, hopefully the apple, the apple pie was well, it was homemade, um, first of all, uh, by a, a very skilled pastry chef in the kitchen. And, um, you know, that's the other, you know, hopefully that people get that quality home produced. Um, um, and that's where people, as again, businesses have to decide on their own pricing for, for, for all items in their business. But they are challenged with the price of um, raw ingredients, <clears throat> uh, skills, labour, um, energy and so on that has to go into the making of the apple pie. Okay, well, we'll wait and see what happens with the 9% VAT rate, if that will be confirmed later today or indeed tomorrow for the moment. Joe, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. No problem, John Paul. Uh, Thank you. That is Joe Kennedy there, who is Cork Chair of the Irish Hotel Federation. Your views are welcome on 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. We'll continue the discussion on what else is due to be announced later today and will be signed off by Cabinet this evening. But on Pancakes, it's Shrove Tuesday, Pancake Tuesday. Uh, we were asking what's your favourite topping and what do you put into your pancake uh, well Kay says I include banana and golden syrup on my pancake yum yum says Kay and somebody else saying ham cheese mayonnaise topping on a pancake it's beautiful haven't heard of that before but there you go what's your favourite topping for your pancake let us know text or whatsapp 0862103103 uh, we'll continue on what is expected regarding fuel costs and indeed the social welfare changes next Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Cost of living measures set to be announced today by the government will be significant and targeted. The package is expected to include a further one-off social welfare payment for vulnerable groups. However, an additional energy credit after March is now looking unlikely. And political correspondent with the Irish Sun, Adam Higgins, joins me. Good morning to you, Adam. Good morning, John Paul. And first of all, regarding this energy credit, because we know the Greens were against this. They were looking for it to be delayed until the autumn. And it looks like they got their way on this one. Yeah, it looks like that might be one of those measures that had been tipped up for this. We were we, we thought we might, a couple of weeks ago, we thought we might see a fourth energy credit. Now, obviously, we get the third one in March, and that was all the ones from the last budget. But there had been talk about an extra budget, an extra 200 euro before the the end of the summer that would help people through the summer. But look, that may have fallen by the wayside. Michael McGrath today saying on his way into cabinet, not giving anything away, but saying that the government were anxious to retain some of that firepower for later in the year. So I'd imagine we might hear some talk today about measures like an energy credits being withheld until next winter when people might need them more. And then we had a lot of charities looking for the change when it comes to social welfare. But at the moment, it looks like no core social welfare rate increase. No, not the core rate won't increase. Now, of course, that just went up in January from the last budget. But 
the 400, there is a central part of this package that we're going to be announced today will be a 400 million euro uh, social welfare package. So that's going to include, similar to the Christmas bonus, it'll include a, a 200 euro bonus payment for the likes of people on uh, in receipt of pensions, carers allowance, disabilities allowance, the widows allowance, the lone parents allowance, the working family uh, payment. So there, that's the kind of targeted measures for those who are most vulnerable in society. And then the government do plan on a, a kind of what they're calling a universal measure, which is a 100 euro uh, on top up of the child benefits. So instead of getting the 140 euro per child, you'll get an extra 100 euro, so a 240 euro payment. And that's going to be for everyone and it'll be for every child as well. So if you have two or three children, that could be two or 300 euro worth. And do we know when those payments are likely to be made? It won't be March, I presume, but will it be towards April and May? Well, it'll be the, the fine details of all that will be nailed out today. But another thing, I think something that gives a hint of where the timeline of this might be is that the government uh, are planning another 100 euro extra payment on top of the back to school clothing allowance. So that's usually paid out in the summer there. So I'd imagine that's where we're, we're going to see these uh, pay, these payments paid out, probably in a staggered manner over the next coming months. Now, we've had a lot of uh, calls and texts in to do with fuel and in particular to do with the diesel and petrol and home heating oil. And that is something that was due to go up towards the end of this month and start of next month. But it now looks like regarding fuel increases, it's going to be more a phased based rather than what was due to just a massive increase. Uh, that's the way it's looking anyway, Adam. Yes, this looks like a tricky one to unwind for the government. So on the home uh, energy bills, first of all, that is going to stay in place for until later in the in the year. Now, we don't know uh, yet the details of exactly when that will end, but that looks like it's going to stay in place. But for drivers, this is going to be a difficult one, in particular those who uh, drive a diesel vehicle, because the government had said there would be no cliff edge to these supports. So they said they wouldn't, you know, pull the, the rug out from underneath people and just whack up the tax straight away. So what they're going to do instead is a kind of a phased approach. So from March, diesel prices will go up two cents a litre. And then in June, they'll go up five cents more. September, another five cents more. And in October, six cents more. So that's the that 18 cent increase over those few months. And then it's a similar phased manner for petrol, except the first payment for petrol won't be until June. So it'll go up six cents a litre in June, seven cents a litre in September, and eight cents a litre in October, a 21 cent increase overall. And that's bringing back those taxes. Now, those tax uh, cuts were very much needed last year with the prices going huge. A lot of people remember them going over two euro uh, at the at the pumps. So they were very much needed, but they were always going to be very tricky to unwind those sort of supports. And, and this is what they're going for now is a phased approach over the summer. And looking at the increase there, it does look like we could see petrol becoming more expensive than diesel if things go the way they are going at the moment by the end of the year. So it'll be petrol drivers could be paying a bit more than diesel drivers who initially will see the cost from the 1st of March, but it will balance out as the year goes on. Yes, yeah. So the diesel will be the first to feel it in their pockets. The diesel drivers will be forced to feel that uh, because it will start, that unwinding starts in March for those, but for petrol, it'll be June. And then, of course, I mean, this sort of stuff will it will be you'd wonder when if petrol prices start to go up again do the government decide to postpone them or how how much leeway will they have are these going to be nailed in dates and that's all the sort of detail that we're going to get from the ministers we have the the three government leaders coming out to explain this process and explain everything at a press conference today at 12.
And we just spoke with the Cork branch of the Irish Hotel Federation there uh, regarding what is now looking like it will be maintained uh, the 9% VAT rate until later in the year and there is a lot of mixed views on that. There seem to be mixed views as well, Adam, within Leinster House. I know Deputy Michael Ring from Mayo was looking at this and he felt that you know the VAT rate should go up because his words were people were being ripped off with the lower VAT rate. Was there more like him or was there a lot of people who felt that and just weren't as forthcoming with that message? No, there was. And this was, I'd say, one of the most divisive parts of putting together this package, because even within the cabinet, there were people who were voicing concerns about, in particular, the hotel prices. And we saw that last year there was a lot of anger when the people were you know, looking to book their holidays and hotel prices were crazy. They were through the roof and the government even openly uh, you know, having a go at the hotel industry for what they called price gouging. We saw them come before the, the Oireachtas Committee and there was heated exchanges there. And I think that really pushed people wanting to see that ex- special VAT rate for the hospitality sector go. Now, unfortunately, restaurants, publicans are all thrown in with that as well because it's a one hospitality sector uh, VAT rate. So there had been some discussion about whether they could take restaurants and bars out of that and just put the price up for hotels, but that was deemed too tricky for the Department of Finance to handle on such a short notice. They couldn't get that done. So what they are going to go for is a delayed approach. So six months more, the rest, the restaurants, the pubs, the hotels will get six months more of this special 9% rate. So they'll get the summer to make some extra money before this goes up before the next budget. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, there is a lot of people even on text and WhatsApp have mixed views on this. And one of the suggestions was splitting the VAT rate between uh, restaurants and bars and hotels. I mean, is that something that could be done or will it ever be looked at or will they just keep everything under the one bracket? Well, this is done in other countries. Other countries have uh, different VAT rates for different parts of the hospitality sector. And it is something that the government considered and they thought about, but it was deemed to be too difficult for the Department of Finance to get that done for this time around. Now, whether they look at it again for, say, the next budget or whether they deem it's too complicated altogether, uh, I don't know. So this is going to have to be something that we'll, we'll watch over the summer. But it does put pressure on hotels, I think, to address that their, their prices. And also it gives restaurants and publicans a chance to, to get on top of things in the summer because we know we've seen difficulties in restaurants. A lot of restaurants here in Dublin have closed recently due to prices being one part of it, but also a lack of staff. So this, I think this gives a little bit of breeding room that the government, what the government can control, they're controlling here and they're giving breeding room to restaurants and pubs to, to help them during the summer. Certainly. And very finally, the business energy support scheme. We spoke with many smaller supermarkets, your kind of corner stores who were seeing Seeing ESB bills, electricity bills for, from various providers of €8,000 to €12,000, uh, that scheme is going to be altered uh, with a new upper limit, but it, it will remain, which is good news for those. Yes, it's good news for businesses. But first of all, this there was a huge amount of money put put aside for this, more than a billion euro put aside for this last time around. And it was hardly touched. There was only a handful of companies that really managed to get through to it. And I think the government here today will kind of admit that what what they're doing now today is admitting that they made it too complicated, they made the threshold too high, and so they're going to change that a little bit and, and widen it so more businesses can uh, can apply and can get that extra support that's needed because, I mean, they put this money aside, they earmarked this money for businesses and it all wasn't spent, so they're widening the bands there and they're going to make it easier for businesses. So it's one for all those shop shops, corner shops you mentioned and other businesses, restaurants, pubs, companies, anything at all, they should be keeping an eye out on 
this and having a look and see, well, can I get some money back here on those extortionate bills that I've paid? Because this will be backdated as well. It doesn't have to be just starting from now. Oh, well, that's good if it's backdated at the least, because I, I, we did hear from those who were looking into this and they did mention it looked like a very complicated process. So hopefully they will rectify that today. It's midday. The announcements are officially being made. Uh, is there anything else that hasn't been reported on that we might get a surprise on, Adam? Well, just looking at the numbers today, um, you'd question where uh, all the money is being spent because the government have said that central to this will be that 400 euro, 400 million euro uh, social welfare package. But what, what we're hearing is that it's going to be in the region of a 1.25 billion euro package. So I think there may be little bits and pieces that we might not have uh, heard yet that might be announced today. For example, the working family payment. Will there be a boost for those families who who would really appreciate that money there to help them? So I think there's little bits and pieces that we might uh, get the details of now at this press conference at 12. OK, we'll await and see for the moment. Adam, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. That's Adam Higgins there, a political correspondent with the Irish Sun. And as he said, we'll uh, get further confirmation after midday uh, when they release that uh, information at a press conference outside Leinster House just after midday. We'll bring you those details when we get it here at C103. It's Cork today until 1. JP in for Patricia. And Bernie is taking your comments right now on 0818103103. If there's something you want to raise on this morning's show or a comment on what we are discussing, you can always text or WhatsApp 0862 That was not our sunshine song for today, but I will play it between now and one. Details very shortly on how we are going to send you to Lanzarote. But first of all, a lot of comments in on what we were discussing earlier in the show to do with the new cost of living measures. We spoke with the Irish Hotel Federation, but also with Adam Higgins, who's the political correspondent with the Irish Sun. And this is what is indicated is going to be announced in under an hour's time outside Linster House. Uh, the cost, though, of fuel is what people are worried about and not happy with this morning. Uh, first of all, someone asking about when are those prices, for example, diesel, petrol, are they going up tonight? No. If announced, and, and they will be announced, uh, they are going to go up, but it won't be until the 1st of March. And as Adam outlined, it will be diesel. So if you have a diesel car, you'll be first hit. It will initially go up by two cents per litre and then gradually go up over the rest of the year. So rather than a huge increase in March. It will be a gradual approach to the increase in fuel but you will see that from the 1st of March. And then uh, staying with the fuel costs and the increase, a listener in Formoy says the cost of petrol and diesel it's just becoming a pure disgrace and now it will cost a lot more for us to get around. Why are the government letting this happen? Are the government just going to sit back and once again hope they can get away with doing nothing? It's a comedy show says this person for the whole world to watch. I will have to sell my car because I, for myself, find it very difficult to fill my car at the moment, says this listener in Formoy. And a lot of people were finding it tough as it was. So it's going to increase. It will be tough to fill your car. And I feel sometimes when you fill the car, you look at the gauge and it's going down again. And sometimes you think, I just filled this up with petrol two or three days ago and it's gone down again uh, and you're back again to the petrol station filling it up and you're realising you're spending the 50, 60, 70 euro whatever it is if you top your car up in full or if you just put 20 euros in uh, to keep it going 
And it, it really is hitting those commuters who go to work every day, who travel from various areas of Cork City uh, to maybe Little Island or the Airport Business Park and those people living in the county who are travelling maybe from Canturk to the city or uh, Skibbereen to the city or Yall to the city and they have to use the road, they have to use their car because there's no other option. Public transport isn't there and what is there is limited with time and isn't always going at the time you need to get to work at. So it won't suit everyone, hence why people still have to physically get into their car. A lot of people uh, would love to get the train and even during, wasn't it earlier last week, we heard from people in Mallow who were lucky enough to have that train service to Cork City and they use that and they can get a lot of work done in 15 to 20 minutes on the train and they're lucky enough their offices are nearby Kent Station uh, but not all are in that situation so I think a lot of people would agree with that listener in Formoy uh, it is going to affect people it is going to slowly again drive up costs in other areas but uh, we'll wait and see what else will be mentioned today as Adam Higgins said uh, there is uh, uh, money being spent and that's what we are told uh, we've got leaks on what has been spent uh, but there may be more measures mentioned today. Uh, staying on that and staying on what has been mentioned regarding taxes uh, a person here on WhatsApp saying if the government decided to reduce taxes instead of debating further increases uh, then they should stop robbing Peter to pay Paul. Everyone could benefit instead of a few selected groups. And on text a person saying why give everything to social welfare? Hardworking people on low wage are getting nothing. Again, every Everyone is vulnerable. My family can't get the fuel allowance. They can't get any of these benefits that were mentioned earlier. Uh, We don't have children, so we don't get the child allowance. And also, uh, we all have to live on a very low wage. Those not working will get it all. No wonder people won't go looking for work, uh, says somebody on text. And then on the hotels, when we were speaking with the Irish Hotel Federation, the Cork branch with Joe Kennedy earlier, who's the chair of the Cork branch. He uh, was mentioning about hotels and how if you go directly, you'll get a better price. And many agree. But on WhatsApp, a person here is saying that hotels are not necessarily cheaper uh, through the hotels directly. Uh, this person recently booked a three night stay in a hotel for March through booking.com and it was 588 euros. But directly through the hotel itself, it was 678 euros. So a big difference there. So I'm not too sure if Joe was saying was entirely right as it does still uh, change and differ compared to where you go and as this person says it does pay to shop around and compare prices and thank you for your WhatsApp and yeah I mean you will see and hear the adverts where hotels are asking people to directly go to them and either ring them or book via their website and in some cases it's cheaper uh, but in your case certainly not the, not cheaper it's, it's cheaper to go through the agency uh, and I suppose it depends on certain websites uh, Joe did mentioned that some websites do sell on beds to others so uh, maybe you were lucky or maybe that is the case that just certain hotel websites and holiday websites can be cheaper but again as you say shop around and compare the prices and thank you for your whatsapps and texts regarding the cost of living and again after midday we'll have confirmation on all those measures that will be released and updates across the afternoon on our C103 news bulletins now traffic wardens uh, this is something that has come in on text from a listener in Clonic Kilty asking does anyone know if there is a traffic warden coming to Clonic Kilty people are continually parking in the bus stop 
in front of O'Donovan's Hotel and the bus has to stop in the middle of the street to leave people off and on. It's happening most of the time and the traffic then is backed up through the whole town. It's becoming lawless without a full-time traffic warden, uh, electronic guilty listener. So uh, I've seen that myself in, in Clan whereby you will see people who are just maybe, as the phrase goes, nipping into a shop, nipping back out again, uh, but they are parking in that bus stop and then when the bus comes along, uh, the bus has no choice, as you mentioned, just to stay on the street. It does hold up traffic and you will see uh, delays at various times due to that. Uh, the traffic warden that was there originally was moving people on and uh, while it did work, uh, what is the update? Maybe if there's one of the local councillors tuned to us, anybody know if Clonakilty is getting a full-time traffic warden to deal with that situation? And does that frustrate you when you are driving in Clonakilty town and you see the bus doing its best to pick up people, let people off, but it can't? pull in, it can't stop in its own rightful bus stop because people are parked there and no matter what you do uh, with enforcement uh, or signs or whatever, people still seem to park wherever they like. Anyhow we'll try and get an update if anybody has information on if a full-time traffic warden is being appointed to Clonakilty and I'm sure that does frustrate a lot of people, not only yourself there on WhatsApp, uh, text or WhatsApp of course to 0862103103 and today is Shrove Tuesday, Pancake Tuesday and a lot of people are excited about today if you're a fan of pancakes. We were asking earlier uh, what would be your favourite pancake topping if you had a favourite pancake topping and some of the ideas we got in and that people do try and like. Uh, Kay was saying banana and golden syrup on her pancake. Also, uh, when I hadn't heard of before, ham cheese mayonnaise topping on a pancake. That would be interesting. Uh, And also Pauline says uh, she likes clonacilty pudding on her pancake. She says it's delicious. Now we must try that. Haven't tried uh, clonacilty pudding. But thank you, Pauline, uh, for your call to Bernie on 0818 103 103. And here's a brief snapshot of what people in Cork City have told our reporter Marae Tuig earlier this morning on what toppings they have on their pancake. Cream, um... Maple sauce or chocolate. Yeah, it's a toss up between Nutella and strawberry and sugar and lemon. Nutella and strawberries mixed in together. Bacon and maple syrup. So syrup seems to be the main one that a lot of people are going for there. Uh, so many different choices. Cream as well, I heard in that one. Anyhow, what's your favourite? What would you like to see or like to push on your pancake? Let us know for Pancake Tuesday or Shrove Tuesday. Uh, you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. On the way, we're going to hear how almost 86,000 children still are on waiting lists just to access disability services. And not only disability services, we've called in and over the last week as well, uh, people emailing us just regarding how hard it is to get an appointment for any type of service. Their waiting lists seem to be increasing uh, daily now at this stage for those who are looking uh, for a a vital service, some would say, in this country when it comes to their health. But on Children Alone, we'll discuss that next. C103 Jobs. An excavator driver is wanted in the Carrick Tool and Ballydesmond areas. For further information, contact 087 949 7113. Part-time bar and service personnel staff are wanted for week Weekend work in the gallery in Mallow. Full training will be provided. You can email info at galleryrestaurantbar.com. And fully qualified electricians are wanted for Cork City and County. Send your CV to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. You'll find these details and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. This is 
Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. Almost 86,000 children are on waiting list for disability services across the country. Cork South West Social Democrats Deputy Holly Kearns joins me on this. Good morning to you, Holly. Morning, JP. Uh, this is quite concerning the length of time a child with a severe difficulty has to remain on this waiting list. And this is just, first of all, uh, to receive an assessment. That's it. So, like you said, in September, there was 4,685 4, nationally overdue an assessment. And it's important to note that that doesn't include the 10,000 people whose assessment was found to be in breach of the Disability Act. Um, so the Children's Committee that I sit on in the Oireachtas launched a report on this um, last week, basically um, making calls for this situation to be urgently addressed. And I suppose that's just, to, you know, in terms of waiting for the first point of contact. And then the situation is just as desperate after that, because as many of your listeners will know, JP, then you might go on after your child has an assessment. Um, to go and try and access a children's disability network team. And it's important actually to note for any of your listeners as well, not everybody knows that you can go ahead and apply for the CDNT without getting your assessment of need. And that's not broadly known, I don't think. But ultimately, you probably want an assessment or think it's a natural progression to get an assessment first and then go and try and access the children's disability network teams. And at the moment, um, the waiting lists for that are desperate in many areas of Cork as well. So in the Carrigaline, Band and Kinsale area, there's 331 people waiting for um, first contact with the Children's Disability Network team. And 316 of those have been on the list for over six months. And in West Central Cork as well, there's 305 and 253 of them are waiting over 12 months. And I suppose in terms of when we talk about this, like the assessment of needs, so first of all, to find out what is the assessment and then to get the kind of services. When I talk about children's disability network teams, that's occupational therapy, it's speech and language therapy, it's physiotherapy. All of those therapies are absolutely crucial in terms of early intervention. And I suppose what we need to remember is that how crucial that early intervention is, JP. It can be the difference between, for example, going forward when you, when somebody's older um, the difference between living independently or living in residential care. It can be the difference in parents being able to cope or not being able to cope. So it's completely unacceptable that people will be waiting this long because crucially they can miss that window for early intervention. And quite frankly, the attempts from government, from the HSE are just I think exposed as being half-hearted all the time. We don't see the kind of genuine effort that we need to address this desperately urgent situation. And as you mentioned there, as years goes on, you, you will need to know exactly what type of service you will require for your child. But at an early age, you mentioned the assessment for needs. Some people are, are waiting over 19 months uh, for this assessment. But what happens is if they then, for example, reach the age of six, because they fall into a different division, they have to start all over again and then face a new waiting list. Exactly. It just goes on and on and on. And like, I have to say, JP, and I think I've said it to Patricia on this programme before, that like of all the families and individuals that I meet through this work, um, people whose children have a disability and they can't get access to services are at the, the most at the end of their tether. Um, and like... I suppose the worst part of it is, is that it wasn't always this bad. It was very much post crash. The services were wound back. 
funding isn't sufficient, all of those things. And like these are these are people's lives. And we don't live in a country that's too, you know, that's that's so poor it can't afford to to provide these services. So that makes it even worse. And what we see time and time again is kind of just not the effort of resources needed. So for example, um the department's own disability capacity review found that it would need I think it was 365 million to meet the unmet needs of people with disabilities in Ireland. And then they uh, allocated about 65 in the budget. So no real or meaningful attempt to do that. And in the Disability Matters Committee that I sit on in the Children's Committee, we constantly get like um, service providers, the HSE families in, and we're looking at this situation, particularly around the children's disability network teams. And what it actually always comes down to is staffing. The, the HSE and the department constantly say to us, we can't recruit the staff. They're spending millions on recruitment campaigns. But I have to say, I've never seen one of the recruitment campaigns, so they're not working. And instead of changing their approach to try and actually address the situation, they just keep pursuing the same failed approach. And it's really not serving anybody. And it leaves this kind of guard up against them, this kind of shield where they just go, well, sure, we can't recruit the staff. But ultimately, this is a kind of vicious circle they've gotten themselves into. Because as you know, with any kind of sector, if it becomes renowned for being such a failure, people don't want to work in that sector. And yeah, it turns them off. Do you feel the recruitment, is it just an excuse from them? I think it's genuinely the issue now, but it's the reason that recruitment is hard is because the service has been such a failure and it's kind of a chicken and egg situation then that we're left in. And if if they say recruit, that's it, it's just recruitment, that's the only issue, that's what we always come back to at the end of lengthy discussions and debates about this issue, then why don't they try a different kind of recruitment campaign? Why don't they, for example, you know, that Section 39 workers are not paid with parity compared to people working in this exact same job? The government didn't address that in the budget. That's a huge problem around staffing in the disability sector. That hasn't been addressed. And then you see if exactly the same thing, for example, playing out now with SNAs, it's like they're so underpaid when people provide the July provision. It used to be called the July provision. It's a summer program now. You'll see SNAs getting a fraction of the pay. The teachers are getting to do exactly the same work. And then when people leave the sector because they simply can't afford to live on those wages or they're offered a much better wage in another sector, how can the HSE throw its hands up in the air and go, God, we don't know why we can't keep staff in this sector? You know, it's 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 happened for a reason. And I think the reason for that is quite obvious. It's pay, it's conditions, and now it's the reputation of the sector. So they need to do their absolute level best to address that by restoring pay parity in the sector, by improving the conditions for staff. We need to increase third level places as well. But there also needs to be a kind of a recruitment campaign that's effective because, because of all that negative press, people don't want to work in the sector. It's constantly being slammed by, you know, people like me by parents because it needs to be but crucially like I've worked in disability services and support services for years it's an incredibly rewarding and incredibly important job and that's being lost in all of this and it's the job of the HSE to promote that and to make people aware of what a great place it can be to work and in order for it to actually that to be true they have to bring pay parity in they have to improve the conditions um, and they're simply 
not making a big enough effort to do that. That's the reality. Yeah, Jonathan agrees. He says he works in this sector, has never seen an adverse for recruitment within this area. While Sharon is an SNA, agrees with you, Holly, and says while she's nothing against the teachers in her classroom, when she does what is now the the summer provision, which was the July provision, uh, she says she's in a classroom doing the same work with a teacher who is receiving higher money than she is just because she is an SNA. So for others who wish to take up uh, extra work during the summer months, they don't because they're saying, why would I bother going in when I'm on a lower wage simply because I have a different title uh, says Sharon on text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862103103 you mentioned the lack of staffing and recruitment uh, within the service itself there is a lack of therapists in the country we are told anyhow but a lot then are moving to the private sector because I suppose it goes back to the terms and conditions but within uh, the, this report and within the, what you have seen in front of the Oroctus Committee it seems that many parents then and it could happen in the future, could be reimbursed because many are choosing to go private, to go and see a consultant privately. Uh, They'll have to pay high bills and then maybe look for that bill to be reimbursed. But that just can't continue. But still, the parents can't continue to wait for a service. And like you're completely right, JP, but choosing is probably a bit of a stretch. I think parents are forced to go privately because they can't wait that long for the assessment. And of course, then some people are forced to go and pay privately and they do that and it speeds up the process. But of course, people who can't afford to pay privately. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Then left waiting and waiting and waiting, and then we get this disparity in services based on how big a family's income is, and that's a whole other form of inequality and that's piled on top of the very many inequalities that people with disabilities 
face in Ireland. So this kind of reliance on the private sector is something we've seen time and time again, you know, of the privatisation of our health services, the privatisation of housing and the kind of disaster and inequality that flows from that. And it's important that we highlight that that is happening in other sectors as well, like disability. Um, and that we really just need a change of kind of ideology from government because we just see this time and time again and it's really not serving anybody. Like you say, I don't think the families who can afford to go privately want other families to not be able to. The teachers who are getting paid, you know, multiples of what an SNA is getting for doing the same job during the summer programme, they don't want that either. I don't know who this failed policy serves, but but the problem is that it's continued to be pursued by government after government. And, you know, there isn't really the, the kind of wholehearted attempt that's required to address this. And we see it in disability in so many ways. The SNA um, uh, pay and conditions is another really good example. And even down to um, the SNA training courses in if you do a course in Limerick, you can qualify up to a level seven. The UCD course was announced in recent times and that was supposed to be, it was announced by force that it would be accredited a level seven. And then they just never changed it, it's still a level six. So somebody doing exactly the same course, exactly the same workload, isn't getting the same qualification to maybe try and work up in their career. But it's this kind of undervaluing of staff in the sector. It's really blatant, it's really obvious. And then somehow they expect staff to stay in the sector or they come into the committee and throw their hands up in the air and say, we don't understand why people won't stay in this sector, be it in uh, the CDNTs, in places like co-action, in, um, in SNA roles. You know, they can't act like it's a surprise when it's so obvious what needs to be done. Yeah, and as you say, over the years, there's been various governments in power, but still the situation remains. So there's a massive problem there for waiting lists, not only in disability, but across various sectors of the health service. Uh, Holly, before I let you go, something else uh, that made the Irish independent yesterday, and this was how yourself was being questioned by the state ethics watchdog over a contribution, which they say was over the 600 euro threshold allowed for donations. We've heard a lot of this in the news out of Leinster House over the last uh, number of weeks. What exactly happened here? Yes, I think it was probably in light of um, the story around Pascal O'Donoghue's declarations and everything that um, they were checking everybody's SIPO returns. And in my case, so in January 2020, I used after, because the election, as you know, was in February. So in the January before that, I used an online uh, GoFundMe um, to try and raise money for the election. And uh, one family donated 800 euro on that. And for actually, sorry, for your listeners who may not know, the rules around taking donations is you can basically take uh, anything under 600 euro from an individual and anything above that just has to be declared. And so one family, so it was the, 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 the donation was listed under a family was for 800 euro. So that's more than one person can donate. And so before I actually filed my donation uh, stuff to SIPO, I contacted them and asked for clarity and guidelines in relation to that particular donation, because it was one payment, but from more than one person. And they advised me that you would only declare it if it was from one person. So we went ahead and and, uh, sent our stuff back and that was fine. They actually got in touch with us again to clarify that that was that donation from more than one person and we confirmed again that it was and that was essentially the end of it. 
Yeah, and I was just reading the piece yesterday in the Irish and regarding that, it, it, I suppose it looks like a different kind of story when you read it in print, but overall, Sipo, were they happy with the explanation that were given uh, from yourself with regards to filing your, your returns? Completely. And JP, like I said, I'd actually got in touch with them before I filed them to mm. get clarity on whether or not I was doing it the right way. Um, and they were completely happy with it. And I know that it doesn't necessarily read like that in the paper because, yeah, and I was a bit surprised to see that the, the way the donations were characterised by the Irish Independent. Um, it said that they were anonymous and there's a very particular definition of anonymous donations for the purposes of electoral law. And this was not the case. They're not anonymous. Um, all of those names are available to SIPO. So that was just a little bit misleading. But I would like to know, I suppose, that in relation to this, that my GoFundMe and all of my donations listed in it have been online and publicly available since January 2020. It's a very open and transparent way of raising money. It's there for everybody to see. Um, and in fact, that's still online if anybody wanted to go through it. Um, and I'm very clear and I have always been very clear that electoral laws and rules around declaring donations have to be complied with. I did everything I could to comply with the rules. I sought advice from SIPO on exactly how to deal with that particular donation and how to classify it. And I filed my um, statement based on their advice. So I do just want to, I suppose, make that clear to listeners. And then following the headline yesterday, can you understand why people may ask the question? Because when Pascal Dunuhu was under investigation, the Social Democrats, uh, your leaders, you know, accused Fine Gael of reverse engineering. So as more TDs come then under the spotlight, you can see why the public ask questions in situations like this when more and more names come up. Oh, absolutely. And the public are always right to scrutinise things that are coming out 100%. I suppose the situation with um, with my election donations is quite different. I had checked with SIPO in advance of filing it. They assured me I was doing the right thing and I, I went ahead and did that. And I suppose it's slightly different in the case of Pascal O'Donoghue in that he became aware of a corporate donor. Um, and that was the use of a company van to put up posters. And that was omitted from his 2016 electoral expenses. And in 2017, he did nothing was done about it. Um, and, you know, when the media asked him questions about that late last year, he gave them kind of the runaround and said that there was nothing to be seen there. And then he finally admitted that there was omissions in response to continued media pressure. And it later transpired that there had been omissions from both his 2016 and 2020 returns. Um, and like in 2017, he was the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform. That's the Minister with responsibility for SIPO and he failed to abide by electoral laws and amend his expenses because everybody makes mistakes. They weren't amended when it was highlighted to him. Um, and I suppose, yeah, he's a senior minister in government who failed to declare a corporate donation from a prominent businessman who was appointed to a number of state authorities by Fine Gael-led governments. And I think that was the bit that kind of stuck with the public because I think everyone understands that people make mistakes and different things happen, but to repeatedly not declare it and for the person to, who was giving him the donations to be kind of appointed to particular positions, I think it reinforced a kind of fear that people have around uh, a cosy golden circle and things like that rather than... Yeah. That we were going back to maybe something we would have seen many years ago. Declared. Yeah. Yeah. And like in my situation, I did seek clarity um, around what to do around that particular donation. So, so I it's think closed just, now. The matter different. for you is closed though, Holly, is it? Say that again? The matter for, with you and Sippo is now closed. Yeah, that was yeah. all in 2021, I think, is the last time. Yeah, so that was a while ago. And 
yeah, but I'm glad to have the opportunity actually to be able to explain it. So thank you for asking. OK, well, um, thanks for the clarity on, on that. Uh, following that uh, headline yesterday from the Irish Indo. For the moment, though, Holly, uh, thanks for joining us. We'll wait and see what happens with the disability services, though, across the country. But thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, JP. Take care. That is Cork South West uh, Social Democrats Deputy Holly Carnes, and a lot of people agreeing with the SNA. Uh, a lot of SNAs in touch with us uh, regarding the differences that they feel they are compared to teachers, really to do with the July provision, as it was called, but now the summer program, whereby they would be within a classroom uh, in the June across July and parts of August, and they are getting different pay than teachers doing a similar job or the same job, or as many are saying in that classroom, and that is turning off people than going forward for those positions as it is for others uh, within the health service. Your views are welcome 0818 103 103 or maybe like so many parents you're still waiting uh, to just get an assessment for your child. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. What is happening with the weather in a few weeks? Are we going to get snow? Are we not going to get snow? Are temperatures going to plummet? Well we'll try and find out next. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. While it's nice and mild at the moment, you may have seen many online reports of colder weather due to come to us. So we have asked Adam O'Reilly of Carlo Weather uh, to join us on what exactly is happening with our weather patterns. Good morning to you, Alan. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. So at the moment, we are enjoying some lovely spring weather and we can see the daffodils and other flowers blooming and coming up through the ground. But we are seeing so many reports online and telling us that temperatures are going to plummet. Are they going to plummet or is it just all clickbait? Well, there's a bit of both. (laughs) Temperatures are certainly going to drop back because, as you said, it's been very mild. Temperatures have been up to 13, 14 degrees. Now, there's a band of rain that's going to come in from the west this afternoon and then move across the country through this evening and following behind that it's going to bring in a much colder air mass from the northwest so it's actually the wind chill that's going to make it really feel cold from tonight for a couple of days because temperatures tomorrow while they might be up to maybe seven or eight degrees in cork the wind chill will make it feel like minus one degrees even in the middle of the day so it's going to feel bitterly cold and I suppose given how mild it's be, it's going to be a bit of a shock to the system. But it's only really going to last a few days, these cold temperatures. There will be some frost and ice at night time um, over the next few nights, possibly. But it's really the wind chill for Wednesday, Thursday. And then even by Friday and Saturday, the wind will be easing and temperatures will be back up a little bit. Now, we're not getting back up to 13 or 14 degrees We'd have to remember that from a meteorological point of view, we're still in winter. So this isn't some extreme weather. This is some pretty typical February weather, just a little bit colder and feeling colder because of the northwest wind. And you're right about the wind chill. That can catch us out because when you see the temperatures of seven or eight, you think it's not too bad, but the wind does change that factor hugely. So what we're wrapping up uh, for a few days this week, uh, also being reported is this severe weather event that we keep hearing about over the last few weeks and some outlets saying we could see a beast from the E-style event. Uh, Not right now, but in a few weeks' time. Is that on the horizon? Yeah, so the sudden stratospheric warming event is kind of has taken place. Now, there's actually going to be a second event where it's going to warm up again in the stratosphere. 
So the weather models are showing a risk of some colder weather um, into March. Now, at the moment, there's nothing too severe being shown, and it doesn't look like we're going to see any real significant cold up until probably the 3rd or 4th of March. Beyond that is very uncertain. The ingredients are there in terms of there is a risk of high pressure building to the north of us, which opens up um, the, suppose that the chances of coal arriving from the northeast or the east. But it is still very uncertain. Now, the main thing is going to be that this weather pattern at the moment is bringing us very blocked weather, which means it blocks out the weather system. So apart from this band of rain that's going to come through tonight um, or this evening and, and then some showers tomorrow, we're looking very dry for the next seven to ten days. So the farmers will be happy to know there's very little rain coming after Wednesday, really, for the next week. But we could see things change around the 5th of March. That's kind of the timeline to keep an eye on. Now, saying a beast from the east is really pushing things because we don't see beasts from the east from every time we get a sudden stratospheric warming. Yes, we did have it in 2018, but we also had sudden stratospheric warming in 2019. And we didn't see any beasts from these at all in 2019. So the main thing I've been trying to tell people for now is not to panic because I know everybody's getting the heating bills and electricity bills are after coming in after Christmas. And people are probably needing to sit down and, and hoping that, you know, we're going to get out of this cold weather. But it does look like we're going to see some cooler weather, certainly um, this week and possibly for the start of March. But beyond that, it's really hard to say yet. And with regards to snow, as a lot of people are asking us that, uh, for the start of March, you mentioned the cold weather. It may not be a beast from the east, but is there a possibility of snow like we got a few weeks ago here in Cork? I was in Ross Carberry, I think it was a Tuesday or Monday night, and while areas of Ross Carberry and Clonakilty and Bandon were covered in snow and other areas of West Cork, when I came as far as in Shannon up to the city, no snow, like a different world. So could we see something like that maybe? It can be very localised. There is a risk of some wintry showers on hills tomorrow, but it will only be on higher ground. In terms of snow into March, it's really it's impossible forecast snow that far out. But if the high pressure stays around, we could see some very cold weather, but we could see some very dry weather. So, you know, even if we do get a cold easterly or northeasterly, it doesn't always mean snow because... Back in 2018, which most people refer to now, we had the very cold, but then we had Storm Emma move up. That's probably once in a generation kind of type event to get that kind of perfect storm of very cold weather and a beast from the east with a storm moving up from the south. So, look, it may well get cold. If if it does, it still may not snow. So it's very much wait and see. So I wouldn't worry about it. Or if you're planning on hoping on snow days, I wouldn't be getting too excited just yet. OK, well, the snow days are great, Alan, when you can sit down and look out on it. But when you have to physically drive to work, they're not so great. So uh, I'm sure a lot of people like the snow, but for many of us workers, we could do without it. Uh, for the moment, anyhow, Alan, thanks for joining us. It looks like a chilly few days ahead, but uh, no snow so far. Yep. Thank you very much. Alan O'Reilly there uh, joining us from Carlo Weather. So uh, wrap up over the next few days. We are going to get that wind chill, which will make it a lot colder. 0818 103 103. Lines are open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Email across the show. Cork today at c103.ie. On Pancakes on Shrove Tuesday. A lot of people were there telling us earlier on in the show about their favourite pancake topping. But uh, the majority, while we have 
a number of different offerings. I think a lot of people like the uh, traditional uh, pancake topping of sugar and lemon. And this person here on text saying, yes, for me, it is just a bit of sugar and lemon juice on my pancakes. And that is what my late mother gave us. And they were made with love. I have given the same to my children and now to my grandchildren. And my mother is is dead 48 years. And it makes me very sad every pancake day because it reminds me of my late mother. Well, uh, thank you for your text. And it's amazing what brings back a memory of those who have passed on. But we thank you for yours and enjoy uh, your pancakes of sugar and lemon today for Pancake Tuesday. And it was Pauline earlier on who was informing us that she puts Clonacilty black pudding on her pancake. And I have a few more people who are saying that they also do the same thing. Uh, hi to Joe in Clonacilty and Sheila in Skibbereen who loves uh, the warmth of the black pudding in the pancake. It's beautiful and uh, you can vary the toppings as well. She has put strawberries in with the black pudding before and it's worked for her. Sheila in Skibbereen, thank you for your text on Pancake Tuesday to 0862 103 103. Uh, just a comment in from a number of people. This is to do with Kilavolan. We would have heard Barry earlier in the early morning news bulletins about this uh, on the ball water notice. Uh, many asking does it still remain in place unfortunately it does still remain in place as Ishka Aaron and Cork County Council are reminding those if you're served by the Kelevolan public water supply that boil water notice remains in place uh, this is to protect public health it was issued back on the 2nd of May and again while they are addressing problems and I know they're on about connecting that water supply in Kelevolan to another supply near Armalo but while that work continues uh, yeah you are still uh, those in the Kelevolan area under that boil water notice and I know it's causing a lot of frustration it's annoying and then those living in that area are very angry over uh, that water notice that still remains and then yesterday while we were discussing traffic and drivers we had a number of calls from people on the, in McCroom first of all on the new bypass in McCroom and they were saying those who live near the new bypass that at night time you have what they called boy racers up and down the McCroom bypass late at night and it's annoying a lot of those who live near uh, the bypass in McCroom. It's a brand new road uh, a good quality road so many say you can see why the drivers are doing this. Uh, well on that chain is saying I have seen this happen but I have also seen in other areas uh, many who meet in petrol stations with those cars and those noisy exhaust. Many have in plates up on their car uh, but Shane is asking if you or me had a car like that would we be pulled in and dealt with uh, when you see and hear the noise out of those type of vehicles asks Shane on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and just sticking uh, with McCroom because Antoinette was on to us this is regarding the uh, crossing the traffic lights in the centre of McCroom town and if you're familiar with McCroom, you'll know the ones there uh, just outside Supervalue. Uh, Antoinette feels that they are out of sync the lights for the cars to go and for the people to cross are coming on at the same time and this is happening sometimes for 11 seconds. Somebody is going to be killed there. Can someone please check the timing? So uh, whatever's happening within the 10 or 11 seconds, it's telling the cars to go 
it goes green for them it goes green also for the uh, those walking across the road and it's very dangerous we'll have to check in with somebody to see I, I don't know who deals with the traffic lights I presume it is under Cork County Council uh, we'll check that out and see if someone can amend the timing there but uh, that's a worry if everybody is being told to go at the same time but worse when it's a pedestrian against a car Antoinette thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 It was our sunshine song here at C103 Electric Light Orchestra and Mr. Blue Sky you could be seeing plenty blue skies C103's Summer Getaway Hello Adele in Inishannon Hi how are you keeping? I'm fine Adele how are you today? I'm good thanks Katie Now it's uh, due to rain later what's it like in Inishannon is it still cloudy or is the rain coming to you there? And it's, there's kind of showers as well it's not oh. bad now at the moment though. yeah what well, I said those showers will come hopefully Adele you won't have to uh, deal with showers because we could be sending you on June the 4th to the Vic San Antonio in Lanzarote you'll enjoy seven nights of sunshine in Lanzarote have you been before? No, never. Oh, well, it's a good spot. I've been myself. It is a, a great spot and there's so much to do. There are lovely strips and you're nearly always guaranteed uh, sunshine there. So fingers crossed for you. If you were to head away to Lanzarote, who would you bring with you, Adele? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to think about it. Oh, oh, well, I'm sure if you do qualify, you'll get plenty of offers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sure you will have to say that. Right, let's see, can we qualify you? Here is today's question, Adele. Uh, have a listen to this. Which month would you consider a summer month? Would it be A, June, or B, October? It'd be June. Uh, you are right, of course, it is June for a summer month where you could be heading off in June. Uh, to Lanzarote you've qualified so Adele you've got to stay listening now on Friday because uh, Nick Richards here he is going to make that all important call and you could be flying out to Lanzarote in June thanks a million for that JP best of luck Adele Thank you. Take Bye-bye. care. That is Adele there uh, from Inner Shannon. Another qualifier. That song from ELO, Mr. Blue Sky. I played it, but guess what? Nick Richards, he's along from one. He's going to play it again. And Martina O'Donoghue, she will drive you home from four. And she'll always play that song between four and seven. And you, like Adele, could be qualifying and you could be going off to Lanzarote. Listen out for that C103 Sunshine song as the winning continues with C103 Summer Getaway. Only here on C103. Can I send best wishes before we continue on? Uh, You may have heard Barry there mention this on the sports news. And this is an email saying best of luck to all involved with Christians because uh, wishing Evan, also Captain Enya and all the CBC squad our very best wishes today in the Munster Senior Schools semi-final. They take on Crescent and it's going ahead today at Musgrave Park. I'm told all the gang are tuned in at the moment. So hello to you all and the very best of luck to you all there in that game later today in Musgrave Park. Uh, It says, come on, Christians, you your biggest supporters are your mum and dad, Angela and Paul, and loving sisters, Leisha and Kayla. And we're so proud of the team Super Reds. So hello to all in uh, Christians there. Isn't that in a, a Sydney place in the city? As you uh, head off to Musgrave Park around now uh, for that game. Best of luck to you all there. Uh, we are receiving some breaking news within the last 10 minutes regarding the motorway. That is the Cork to Limerick motorway, the M20. Uh, it seems a meeting was held this morning to decide 
Clyde routes on that roadway. We'll hear more on that within the next five or ten minutes. And also later after 12.30, Joe Heffernan will be joining us. We're going to be discussing the various stages of grieving. Uh, that and more to come here on C103. But just a lot of calls and comments in on various issues. And first, when we spoke there on the cost of living measures and around now, or at the moment anyhow, uh, outside Linster House, uh, there will be uh, announcements being made regarding of what will happen, uh, what has been announced. We've got most of it at the moment, but obviously enough, there's going to be extra information given today. Uh, and currently, the T-shirt leader, Varadkar, Tanisha Micheál Martin and the Minister for the Environment, Climate and Communications and Transport, Eamon Ryan, are going to discuss that. Uh, we'll wait and see if anything new comes out of this. And if it does, we'll bring it to you and, of course, update you across the afternoon on C103 News Bulletins. But from that was uh, the fuel will increase and we will see diesel going up from the 1st of March by by two cents petrol later then in the year and overall instead of a huge increase in March there will be a gradual increase before the end of 2023 in the increase in fuel. Well Joe is in Kilmallock and he says interesting you mentioned that regarding uh, diesel because diesel went up in three by three cents in his area yesterday. Uh, it is now uh, higher than it was before and petrol also increased yesterday so a lot of these increases are going up before any government measures are brought in uh, Jonathan Cove, he says on petrol costs, first of all, the cost of living is not affecting any members of the government, John Fields, because he says they can afford to send the ministers abroad for St. Patrick's Day. And then they have taken away the 200 euro electric allowance from the households. Many depended on that. And now it's gone. But the Greens can head off and all of them can head off on their holiday for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, while we are affected with the high cost of living, says John in Cove. And texture here who says people are working and those that are working uh, they're really keeping the country afloat but eventually we will all sink because there are families in this country who are drawing social welfare and then many have never worked a day in their lives they receive various handouts from every corner of the social welfare system they can drive top of the range cars as this person and according to this texter, they have no regard to anyone. Also, when you spoke yesterday on the Gardaí numbers in Cork and the Gardaí having problems recruiting those to uh, the service, well, I don't blame people because why would they join the Gardaí? Uh, you get blamed for everything and then our legal system is just a joke. Uh, when they bring someone to court for prosecution, not all of the time, but many of the time with our laws, uh, they can end up leaving the courthouse, even though they have done wrong, many either with suspended sentences or with a lenient handing down. Uh, not the judge's fault, not the guardee's fault, but the system's fault. Uh, this person goes on to say, you would get a medal in this country now if you murder someone. We have no laws anymore in this country, says a texter on that. And, uh, if many feel the same way, certain aspects of what you're saying is, is correct. You would hope that if someone did commit murder and were found out they did, that they would be reprimanded by the system. But I, I know if you speak to guarantee, many will be very and are very frustrated that when they do arrest someone, it does go to court. Some, not all, but some do get off. And it is frustrating for those who do work within on Garda Shikon. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. And we have a lot of more 
four emails that we've got in over the last uh, 24 hours or so and I'll bring those to you tomorrow because I'm conscious I want to go to what is happening regarding the motorway uh, the Cork to Limerick motorway and what news is coming out of that only in the last 10 minutes uh, so we'll go to that next but lines open 0818103103 or text or WhatsApp 0862 103103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see corkcoco.ie And I'm Carla they will hold their West Cork meeting that is going ahead this evening at 7.15pm in the Mill Court in Bandon Bingo in Shambalimora Community Centre that's going ahead this evening at 8 o'clock and the jackpot this week is €1,000 and the next meeting of Rathcormac Men's Shed that will take place on this coming Thursday in the Rathcormac Community Hall at 11.30am everybody is welcome there to attend and Trevor Sexton and Ger O'Donnell they will play in Gagan Community Hall that's going ahead this Friday at 8 o'clock tickets are priced at 20 euros and all the proceeds from the night go to Gagan Community Hall if there's something you want to include on our Cork Diary if you are a not-for-profit or it's a charity event you can email the details to us right now diary at c103.ie This is Cork Today on C103 Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. As we were mentioning pancakes earlier for Pancake Tuesday, just a well done to all who had their pancakes at the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon this morning. They were raising money for Marymount Hospice, so well done to all there who tuned to us across the morning. So hello to you all in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon and also from Bandon to where was it? In Church Cross. Uh, this was uh, at St. Matthew's Church Hall. Hello to all there. It's going on until one o'clock and they are continuing with their sale of coffee, cakes and indeed making pancakes. I'm told there's a fantastic cake stall there as well at the moment. So hello to you all there uh, raising funds for Cancer Connect. That's going ahead in Church Cross at St. Matthew's Church Hall until one o'clock and hello to all there tuned in to us. Now, uh, news just reaching us and this is an update with regards to the M20 motorway. A meeting was held earlier this morning and Councillor Garod Murphy John joins us on this with the latest. Uh, good afternoon to you, Garoj. JP, thanks for having me. Now, this it was a meeting earlier this morning. Was it a meeting between councillors in both Cork and Limerick? Yeah, uh, that's correct. Uh, just, that's my knowledge. It was actually a briefing from the M20 project design team, which is based in Limerick. Um, Okay, your line is just fading out there, Garoj. We might have to give you a call back on that um, one, unless you can move there to get a clearer line for us. Oh, yeah, that, 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 that is a bit better. better. Yeah, that, that, that is better. Uh, now, this was, as I mentioned, to do with the Cork, the Limerick motorway. So a meeting between uh, and a briefing for Limerick councillors and Cork councillors. What's the latest on this? Because it's a motorway that's been spoken about for quite some time and we get briefings every now and again and they don't lead to much with some regards. But have we more information on how the, the road will form? Yeah, that's correct. So um, the biggest news from exit from the new road. Um, I know this was a very contentious issue in relation to the original M20 project. Um, there was a, a strong bone of contention was the exit for Botovan. Um, so this is obviously a matter which has been raised uh, extensively by myself and my colleagues so that the communities actually living alongside the road can actually reap the benefit of it. So the briefing this morning confirmed that there will be nine exits from the road in total. Uh, six of those in Cork and 
And have they chosen, now that they've given these exit routes, which does include Butterfield and Charnival, have they chosen a route? I mean, have they confirmed the route? Because there was much talk about that the last time on the various routes. And as you know, certain areas were against it. So have they confirmed now what route they are going with? They have actually, yeah. That has been confirmed more or less for the last year. There's one or two areas that they're looking at, you know, just within a couple of hundred metres from the route that the third route was identified last year, is my understanding. And the third route is going mostly along the current road up into Moravi. Then at Moravi, it's the the Okay, your, your line has gone there again, Garola. Tell you what oh, we'll do God. is we might be able to get you back on WhatsApp after the break because the line just keeps breaking up there. Uh, and I know this meeting is just over. Uh, so they're, they're just finishing up from that meeting. Uh, but the just to recap, that route that, that has been more or less confirmed, even though there were so many routes confirmed and they were disconfirmed and then, then they were confirmed again. And then communities in particular around Blarney and Whitechurch and parts of, I suppose, Moran Abbey were against certain routes. Anyhow, the nine exits that are planned are Blarney, Rathduff, Morn Abbey, Mallow, Butterfield and Charnival. And Butterfield and Charnival were the ones who were looking and asking if they would uh, see an exit of the new M20 and they are going to see that exit. We'll see if we can get back in contact with Grove for an update on that. Uh, but it does look like uh, they are now the confirmed exit on a road that will go ahead. But the question is, when will it go ahead? And on the information briefing I've just got here in front of me, there is again, as usual, no timeline on when these will go ahead uh, so we'll have to wait and see we'll try and touch back with a garage after the break to see if we can get more information on exactly what came out from that meeting Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 Okay let's go back to that story that is reaching us with regards to the M20 motorway we hopefully have a clearer line to Councillor Garoge Murphy uh, Good afternoon once again Garoge Hi JP, hope okay. you can hear me now. That is a better line uh, via, what's, or via, via WhatsApp and Wi-Fi. Okay, uh, just go back again. This was the nine exits planned. I outlined them, six in Cork, three in Limerick and those in Butterfield and Charnival who were concerned that there would not be exits. There will be there uh, for those areas and also in Blarney, Rathduff, Mornabi and Mallow. But any timeline, first of all, and when all this will take place? Uh, no, there isn't. And the project still hasn't gone through planning. So it's at pre-planning stage. Um, there, actually, I'll just open it up here. I took a screenshot of it. We're currently in design and environmental evaluation. Um, and that's phase three, I understand. After that, there's the statutory processes. So that would be the planning and ultimately CPOing land, etc. for the actual route. And can you confirm the route now they have identified? Because even though it was confirmed, there was a lot of confusion as some communities uh, weren't happy at the time. They're going with the, with what route are they going with that they confirmed? Yes, so it's uh, a a variety of different, uh, I suppose, types of route, if that makes any sense, along the way. So south of Mallow, the communities you were mentioning, Whitechurch, etc., that's just going to be along the existing road. Um, so they're just going to upgrade the existing road, mostly to the south of Mallow. Um, we're talking about around Morn Abbey. They'll be the road then kind of um, kinks off to the east, um, 
and then uh, passes to the east of Mallow. Uh, so that's going out towards the Fermoy direction. And I think Oliver's Cross is where the junction would be planned for um, to hopefully link up with the Mallow Relief Road. Um, but there's more news on that, unfortunately, which wasn't so good, but that's a different subject, I suppose. Um, and then uh, carrying on to the east of Butterman, and this would be off the current road now, as to be a completely new road from Morn Abbey through to the east of Butterbent and then uh, around Ballybeg, I think, is where it would go to the west of the existing road. It would pass to the west of Charleville um, and then carrying on as a completely new road the entire time all the way up to Patrick's Well in Limerick. And they also mentioned today about an active travel corridor. When they say that, what, what exactly do they mean? Yeah, so again, they're using a multiple modes for delivering that. Um, some of, uh, most of it actually from what I could see, that that was the, the other big part, bit of news. Well, it wasn't really as, as big as the, the exits, um, but they just gave a little bit of an update on how that would look. Um, so part of it, most of it is probably along the new road or along what will be the M20, hopefully. Um, except this will be separated by mounds and landscaping from the actual road itself, which should hopefully lead to a more pleasant experience for cyclists and uh, pedestrians. Uh, part of it then will be utilising the existing part of the existing road, which will no longer be the main road uh, and which would be much quieter because of that. Um, and part of it, I understand, is actually going to tie in with the new Mallow Relief Road, um, but I have some concerns about that, as I've already mentioned. Yeah, and the concerns would have been like those who were looking forward to a new road or a, a bypass, you can nearly call it, in some of the areas yeah. across the northern part of our city and also bypassing, which they would hope in Kerry Pike, Clahine, uh, those areas around Blarney and Tower. Uh, the money that was given wasn't enough. It's a similar situation for Mallow and would that impact the overall development of the M20? Um, it potentially would. Uh, it's something I didn't, uh, I, I've only realised after the meeting that part of the route planned just on the active travel side of things is actually going to tie in with the active travel corridor that's planned as part of the Mallow Relief Road. And towards the end of last week, we had some very disappointing news from TII and the Department of Transport that our allocation in Cork County Council for this road this year is only €100,000. Now, normally, if someone announced €100,000 for a project in Mallow, I'd be delighted. But unfortunately, it's going to fall far short of what's required for this project. We needed a million to take it through planning this year. And to be frank, my understanding of it is if we're not going through planning this year, we're, we're almost wasting our time. Um, it's it's delayed the project unless, and I'm calling on the Department of Transport and the, the minister really to see sense in this and to give the money, this project, the money that it's needed. Um, first of all, just to tie in with the M20, but secondly, to and as importantly, to relieve congestion in Mallow Town Centre because it's a vitally needed project. Yeah, otherwise you will have a situation like we mentioned last week. You'll have areas of Mallow who were sitting in traffic and sitting in those fumes. Um, regarding the M20, so finally, while they have the exits now revealed and it is a planning stage, how long more is the planning stage and is the process going to go on for? Well, they did say that there'll be more updates given. Uh, they're... they're um, 
anticipating at least one or maybe two more updates this year. So there is a sense that they're beginning to progress it uh, a certain amount. Um, I'm not sure offhand exactly. I have a feeling it's maybe next year that phase three is finishing out and they'll be looking in towards CPOing. Uh, I'm not sorry, CPOing is even further down the line. Um, they'd be looking into the planning process first and the statutory processes. So it, there is a bit left in it yet. Uh, it's definitely not as far along as the Relief Road, for example, in Mallow um, is, which is obviously a separate project. Um, it's not nearly as far along as that. The Relief Road is about to go into planning, whereas this still hasn't reached that stage. But I understand it's probably likely in the next year to, to be ready to start going for planning. And at that point, that's like, they've they've had so many rounds of public consultation already as to the route, but there'd be further public consultation then as to the exact route and the rest of that. Yeah, so it'll be a long time before we see the diggers on the road or the changes coming uh, down the line. But for the moment, Garod, thanks for joining us with that update this afternoon. Local councillor from Mallow, uh, councillor Garod Murphy, on what is now confirmed the exits to win eventually the M20 motorway between Cork and Limerick uh, does go ahead. Uh, for Cork, there will be six exits and they will be a Blarney, Rathatuff, Mornabby, Mallow. Uh, but in particular, a lot of interest in Butchavant and Charnival who are receiving an exit because they were worried they may not have one. There is exits there as well. And that's the latest on that following a meeting that was held just finishing up there within the last 15 minutes or so. And again, it'll be a long time before any of us will be driving on that road anyhow, uh, because it's going to take, uh, the planning process is going to take a while to sort out. Anyhow, uh, your views are welcome on that. It's something we'll go back to, I'm sure, over the course of tomorrow's show. Back to uh, the cost of fuel, Tim is saying, with all of this uh, giving, it is overlooked that in about six weeks, the domestic fuel allowance will be deducted until October. And many then will be worse off without it. Not everyone is eligible. Retaining it will be better than a lump some, says Tim, on text to 0862103103. Let's move uh, to Joe Heffernan, our regular councillor on the show based in Boerhebui, who joins me on this Tuesday afternoon as usual. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Oh, and Joe is gone. So we'll go back to Joe again in a few minutes. Uh, phone lines are certainly playing up us this afternoon. Uh, Joe is discussing briefments and we'll be discussing uh, that shortly with Joe. Just back on the roads, a lot of calls and comments in on this. First of all, uh, this is from Ted is saying, and a similar comment here by somebody else on the roads saying that the Cork Limerick motorway, will this ever be built? Because if they're lucky enough to get a pothole filled on that road, how uh, how can they then talk about a motorway? There's areas of that road that need to be done up and need to be maintained, but they haven't been for years. And somebody else on WhatsApp making a similar point regarding the area we are in. Uh, they're saying if this was a motorway based in the east of the country, for example, maybe Dublin to Meath, even though there is one there. But just for an example, from Dublin to Meath, uh, this listener feels it would have been done straight away. Cork is always forgotten about. Text welcome oh. 862-103-103. Now Joe Heffernan uh, rejoins us. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, JP. And um, uh, how, first of all, before we move on, how was the health with yourself? Coming around, um, uh, not too bad. Um, uh, am I loud and clear with you on this You phone? are, you're right, you're fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah coming around, uh, it's been a month now since the hip replacement, so I'm, um, I'm struggling on. 
something like the M20. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, Joe, you'll be a lot faster than the M20 when it comes I to struggles. I hope so. <laughs> Between the M20 now and the event centre, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you, you wouldn't want to be holding your breath. And certainly not, certainly not. Now, today... And with so yeah. many high-profile um, politicians, um, uh, recent Taoiseach... Um, uh, you know the uh, tarnished, uh, um, uh, etc. Um, you would wonder how in Cork that we are so left behind. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Joe, yourself, if you ever travel not too far away in Limerick, I mean, there's a fantastic ring road system is what I call it, probably the wrong name, but you can travel in and about different parts of Limerick with a great system and then you have a motorway to Galway and you have a motorway uh, in parts of Waterford, you know, obviously a motorway to Dublin, but yeah, we are, as a friend of mine says, and others actually got similar comments when we discussed this last week uh, Mm. to do with the North Ring Road, when anybody comes to Cork, sometimes when they travel, and not all of our roads, but some of our roads, they say they feel like back in the 70s because we haven't been upgraded yeah. since then so yeah you, you'd wonder yeah. what's going on anyway Joe we'll continue and you want to discuss uh, bereavement today on the show and the stages of grieving and this is interesting Joe because we were talking about Pancake Tuesday of course today and we had two texts in from people who on this very day it's bringing back memories of when their mother made them pancakes and it's hit a few people today out of nowhere and I suppose even though for some it can be 30 or 40 years ago for others it's only 5 or 10 years ago it just goes to show there is stages of grieving and they can hit you at any stage. Absolutely. And I mean, death is so final that um, even in older, uh, in the older age group and when maybe a person is ill, it still comes as a huge shock when it happens. And um, uh, we're at an age now, I suppose, um, uh, myself and Mary there, that... um, you know, there's seldom a month goes by, but we're attending some funeral of someone that we knew well in life and who has now sadly passed on. So, yeah, um, uh, I think, um, uh, you know, it's good to to talk about uh, things that uh, are sometimes um, a little bit taboo, but, um, yeah, um As I say, the word shock, um, uh, very final, very, very, um, uh, you know, defining uh, when, when, when someone passes on. And then there can be some um, stages in the, in the grieving. Uh, Obviously there would be tears, um, you know. Uh, obviously, there would be um, uh, maybe even a preoccupation with thoughts of the deceased. Um, just like you mentioned right there a while ago, uh, memories like Pancake Tuesday um, and, and that that particular person um, is no longer um, uh, with us. Um, there would be, uh, you know, tears. Um, there may be um you know feelings of feeling a bit uh, off a bit sick um maybe uh, maybe a loss of appetite maybe sleep disturbance maybe a person wouldn't be as patient um with others as they normally would have been um there could be you know self criticism or guilt 
maybe we should have done this differently. Maybe if we had done that way, that it would have, you know, um, uh, wondering about um, uh, um, uh, were things handled well. And of course they were. Um, but um, with with hindsight, then one can be um, picking uh, little uh, bits and pieces of what could have been done uh, differently. And I think one of the most important things that we could point out today would be that all of this is totally, utterly and completely normal. That, um, uh, you, you know, these thoughts and these feelings um, are normal in the grieving uh, process. Um, as one goes through the grieving process, there can be, you know, there can be confusion, um, um, uh, forgetfulness, uh, there can be uh, depression, a, a person feels down, and there can be a withdrawal from society in general. Do you know, there's many a person I would have heard saying um, uh, down through the years, I didn't want to meet anyone. And... Um, and that's fair enough. Again, uh, that is normal, that a person would be, um, you know, quite withdrawn. And um, Yeah, actually, Noreen has just texted in there, Joe, regarding that. And I know you've given me a grief wheel, which, as you mentioned, does cover shock. And uh, within yeah. the disorganisation, I suppose, will be the confusion and depression. Yeah. And there's protest and reorganisation, which would be looking at your, your new passions, I suppose, in life and changing uh, things around. But Noreen making the point that, yeah, when her father passed a number of you, well, three years ago, and I'm sorry for your loss, Noreen, but she just felt she did not want to meet anybody for a number of months. The thought of going out socialising didn't interest her. And when she did go out, she just felt that maybe, even though she was trying her best, she just wasn't herself and wasn't able to get into the mood. It took her a good seven to eight months before she came around. She didn't want to be going out then in, in case she'd bring down the mood for her friends. So took her a long, long time. And that comes into what you're discussing there around the deorganisation, I suppose, of dealing with grieving and uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, um, uh, life ha- would have changed. We'll say now that it was a spouse um, or, or a parent or etc. Who, who had died. Um, you know, life then has changed and changed utterly. And... Um, uh, that one is floundering a little bit with how to cope with this new world, this new world who doesn't have that person in it. So that uh, the the decreased socialisation, um, the 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 loss of or the lack of anyway interest in things that used to be of interest um, uh, would uh, uh, be present. Um, for example, a person might have had a hobby that they are now uh, maybe neglecting a bit and um, or a lot. And um, I suppose one of the signs of recovery, JP, would be that when a person begins to have a little glimmer of interest again in things that they used to enjoy, maybe it might be a hobby Maybe it might be just maybe reading the odd novel. Um, maybe it would be back to, um, uh, you know, joining, rejoining um, a group that one uh, had an interest in. 
like what comes to mind, the likes of being in the choir, the likes of um, uh, a sport, uh, a hobby, uh, getting back to going to a match and things like that. The things that had, um, uh, you know, uh, gone out of one's life, that it's a great sign of recovery um, when uh, when those little um, interests start to um, raise their heads again. Um, and, of course, uh, uh, there would be um, an ideal antidote to loneliness. Uh, we spoke about loneliness not too terribly long ago um, in, in some context or other, I remember, and that, um, you know, that loneliness can be... Um, really, really definitively detrimental to one's health. That um it's uh, loneliness is a bad lad and um and that uh, even if we don't feel like it, even if someone rings and uh, says I was thinking of calling over for a cup of tea, that um even though that the immediate instinct might be, oh gee, I'm I'm not in the mood really that um that one would be maybe well advised to say, yeah, do that, and we'll have an old chat about times past and, and the likes of that. So that would be what we'll call kind of on the road uh, to recovery. And then uh, we'd get to, I suppose, what one would call reorganization of, of one's life. Um, uh, maybe even trying uh, new things that, um, that we hadn't tried before maybe joining a walking club, um, maybe, um, uh, you know, going to things that we maybe previously hadn't. Um, so trying, in other words, new patterns of behavior and then finding a little bit of meaning once again in life, um, you know, uh, in yeah, and it's words, interesting like, you say that, Joe. with other people. Yeah, uh, Margaret has been in touch, just as you mentioned, reorganisation uh, and looking at new ways, I suppose, uh, of changing your, your pattern. She would always have met a friend for coffee over the years. Six months ago, that friend of hers passed away. And for the first mm. few months, she found every Tuesday at three o'clock quite hard because that's around the time they would always go for coffee uh, to two or three certain coffee shops in their town. Uh, now she is coming around slowly, uh, but after the first few months she got angry even though she was trying to re- change her organisation as you said reorganising her life changing her pattern of daily life that she was used to one of those was meeting her friend on a Tuesday and as she was changing her routine she just got angry and, and she doesn't know wh- where that anger came from and of course anger is a natural and normal part of grieving because the world has dealt us um, a serious blow and um uh, you know, when there would be what we'll call um, an unexpected or, um, uh, say, the death of a young person, um, you know, a person can be angry at the medical profession, angry at God, angry at life in general, and um, why was this done to us, and life is not fair. And, of course, all those things are true. Life is not fair. And... Um, uh, you know, some people get it very, very, very hard. Uh, you'd hear of uh, families that um, suffered A, B, C, and D, um, bad shocks to their lives, and you'd say, oh, my God, how, how, 
how could anyone cope? And yet, I mean, I suppose that we don't have much choice, really, but to cope today and to keep on coping because, um, you know... um, that's true. And many people just feel that as hard as it is, you still have to try and get on with it while all those emotions we've spoken about are going around in your head. Uh, Mike's in Bantry, he is saying for those affected by bereavement, he says there's very good bereavement counsellor services and you can go to those, but you must pick someone that suits you. And that would be very important, says Mike in Bantry. And then yeah. maybe, Joe, and something that uh, it maybe goes outside the, the counselling boundaries, but uh, for some, this might give them comfort. And Mossy is saying, do you believe in maybe heaven and hell or indeed reincarnation? He says he personally does because for many it gives them a sense of comfort that the loved one isn't gone but just gone somewhere else. Yes, yes. And I mean, all of we're great in Ireland um, to attend uh, funerals. Um, uh, I've been, uh, well, Mary has been representing us recently because I'm just not able to stand um, for a long period with the old crutch and things. But um, we're 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 great to um, uh, to respect um, uh, the the family and those who are left behind after one dies. And I, you know, uh, all of the liturgy that goes with a funeral um, to do with. Um, you know, the removal, the mass, etc., for those who are Catholic, um, uh, that, uh, yeah, the... the uh, it was tough the, at those the times. The idea that one has passed on to a better place mm-hmm. uh, predominates in all of that. And that has to be a wonderful comfort. And and many people are texting in saying that that that's the reason they they think obviously there's religious beliefs, but it brings comfort to them, and, and that can help, can't it, Joe, with the breathing uh, process that we have uh, mentioned here. It, you know, maybe with the shock of it, it, it might comfort somebody somewhat. Oh, absolutely, yeah. without yeah. a doubt. Um, you know, without a doubt. And you mentioned there a while ago about um, uh, maybe the world is organisations that mm. can help. I remember uh, attending the uh, Bethany um, uh, organisation in Mallow. Um, they even have a, a wonderful um, uh, CD um, of people, uh, you know, in different circumstances, we'll say a parent who um, a child died um, uh, and and there would be that organisation focused on that very um, uh, situation called uh, Anam Kara, and uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and there's I, some I, great organisations. Yeah, great organisations out there, Joe. That someone can go to. You mentioned Anamkara there. I know they have a meeting tonight in Bandon in the West Cork area. If anybody is there and needs to go to to those meetings, so yeah, some great services there, Joe. That's where we have to leave it for today, and we'll chat to you again next Tuesday. But thank you uh, for that discussion on grief. I know it has helped a lot of people uh, today. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, JP. Take care, Joe Hefford in there, an accredited counsellor based in Boerhbui, and you can contact Joe on 086 8348145. Enjoy your Tuesday afternoon. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.